You're listening to Transforming Insight, the podcast for anyone who has the ambition to transform their insight team and create an insight-driven organization. Your host is James Witcherly, Chief Executive of the Insight Management Academy and the author of the book Transforming Insight, The 42 Secrets of Successful Corporate Insight Teams. Hello again, and welcome to the latest episode of the Transforming Insight podcast. This one is called A Strategy for Insight. So, welcome to season four of our podcast. Welcome back if you're a regular listener. And a quick reminder that whether you're an insight leader, manager, researcher or analyst, you can download all 27 episodes from our first three seasons free of charge whenever you like, either from the IMA's own podcast site, that's podcast.insight-management.org, or from Amazon, Apple, Google, Spotify, or whatever's your favourite podcast platform. I do hope that you're finding them all useful. So let's start with a quick recap on the story so far. In the first three seasons, we've explored the purpose of Insight Teams and the four principal activities on which team members should focus. If you work in an Insight Team and you take a progressive approach to generating new insights, focusing on underlying business issues and drawing from whatever sources of data are useful to address them, on farming insight knowledge, in other words, spending time each week talking to your colleagues in the insight team about what you've all discovered in your various research and analysis projects, joining the dots, identifying contradictions, and building big picture understanding of customer segments, markets, products, categories, brands, channels, whatever, influencing key decision makers, by taking steps to really understand senior people as people and how you can build trusted advisor relationships with them, and communicating knowledge and understanding by having a top-down comms plan and by improving your communication structure, story and visualisation. If your team does all those four things on a regular basis, then you'll certainly identify more value for your organisation and drive more change within it. But you'll have often heard me refer to insight leaders. The senior professionals who run the insight departments in large companies, or the senior managers who might be responsible for insight and other functions in smaller organisations. If that's you, or the person sitting next to you, or the person that you're talking to later today, then I've got a challenge for you. Is it enough just to do things better? Will rebalancing your resources between those four principal activities ensure that your chief executive gets maximum value for money from his or her investment in insight? Will it, over time, create an insight-driven organisation? I began our very first podcast episode by saying that customer, consumer and market insight has the potential to transform an organisation's performance, any organisation's performance. It can identify hidden opportunities in the market and increase a company's sales, customer growth and revenue far above the level it would otherwise achieve. It can also shine a light on potential threats, define tangible responses to them, and so help to safeguard an organisation's very existence. Now, Spending on research and analysis tends to be quite small in relation to overall revenue and costs. Just think about how much your company's sales add up to every year and then what your overall insight budget looks like, even when you include salaries, data, primary research, spend, etc. So insight is capable of generating an enormous financial return on investment. In a large company, that can mean spending thousands to generate millions. 
Seen through that lens, Insight, both as a concept and as a corporate department, should be regarded as a key strategic asset for any organisation. Whether it operates in the commercial sector, the not-for-profit sector, or the public sector. But is that how it feels in your organisation? I've just come back from speaking at the Quirks conference in Chicago, and I met lots of great insight leaders and managers there, heard some really good presentations about the research they were doing, the way they were working with agencies, the way they were thinking about AI, for example, and knowledge management systems. And some of those projects had very clearly led to tangible outcomes for the organisation. New product launches, new advertising campaigns, new service propositions. But I can't really say that I heard many people talk about Insight's contribution to the overall success of their organisation. A sense that Insight departments are really essential to the future financial survival and growth of the overall business. Now, I think that sort of impact is certainly possible. But it only happens if our Insight teams are set up to do the right things, as well as to do things right. And they need the right operating environment for that and the right resources if they're going to consistently drive change across the whole organisation. So what's holding us back? I think most of us would agree that demand for insights is rising, as senior managers increasingly acknowledge the importance of customer centricity, and see research and analytics as a potential source of competitive advantage. That trend has really accelerated since the Covid pandemic. At the same time, the proliferation of digital transactions, and data sources has increased the complexity of managing insight activity. And the result is that many insight functions report an ever-growing workload, with less time to stop and think about big questions, like why your organisation has an insight team, how much it spends on insight activity, what return it gets on its investment, and whether there are structural issues to challenge if you want to create an insight-driven organisation. As the potential for insight to make a difference keeps growing, and as the difficulties in making it make a difference increase, I think there's a critical need for us to define a strategy for insight. That's very different from an activity plan. Every research and analytics team has one of those, probably more than one. What I'm talking about here is a top-down assessment of how your company's performance could be improved with the systematic application of customer and market understanding and what changes would have to be brought about to make that happen. You're listening to the Transforming Insight podcast, published by the Insight Management Academy, the world's leading authority on transforming corporate insight teams. So we need to do the right things as well as doing them right, and define the right operating environment and resources needed to create an insight-driven organisation. And that means having a strategy for insight. Does that make sense? I hope so, because a lot of the IMA's focus this term is on insight strategy, culminating in the insight forums in Manchester, London and online in July. And it will also be our focus in many of the podcasts this season. One of the key issues we want to address is why so few organisations have an insight strategy at the moment. From the IMA's benchmarking work, I'd say it's less than 20%. And to be honest, quite a lot of the documents called insight strategies don't really include the sort of comprehensive review and recommendations that we've got in mind. Why is that? Well, do insight leaders not see the need for an insight strategy? Or is the problem that we lack the confidence to write one? 
Or is it that we might like to develop one and maybe feel we should, as other things just get in the way? From our research, from the client-side experience of the IMA Zone Advisors, I think there are a number of barriers here. They include not knowing where to start, being too busy to spend time writing it, being put off by the word strategy, having a desire to be useful to the rest of the organisation and not challenging the service mentality that can develop around that. The pace of organisational change that risks invalidating any strategy. Or being part of an organisation whose culture simply doesn't value strategies or documents called strategies in the first place. Taking these challenges together, it seems like there's a widespread belief that developing an insight strategy is a difficult thing to do, and that the benefits of having one wouldn't outweigh the pain of producing it. But in the absence of an insight strategy, research and analysis activity tends to be driven by what other departments want. A strategy in itself might not change that, of course, but it is a critical place to start. Now you might be asking, isn't it enough to have an insight plan? Many insight leaders will produce an update and insight plan every year or every month, or maybe every afternoon. But in many cases, these documents or spreadsheets simply record the requests received or insight projects to which resource has been allocated. They're very important documents. No insight team could survive without them. But they're not designed to transform insight's contribution to the organisation, let alone how describe insight might transform the organisation's performance. So I think, and our team at the IMA strongly believe, that insight leaders need to move their planning upstream, ideally developing a strategy for insight as a concept and as a department, which either aligns directly with a top-level corporate strategy, or better still, examines the data and thinking behind that corporate strategy, and if necessary, challenges it. Armed with a strategy for how insight can make a difference, Insight leaders can then identify priority questions to address with existing customer and market knowledge, or gaps to plug with new market research and analysis, new people they need to recruit, new capabilities they need to grow. We must engage our key stakeholders at every step, of course, because there's no point in an insight team's pursuing an agenda which leads to output that the rest of the big business will ignore. But what is needed is a grown-up discussion about existing customer knowledge and new work which could be undertaken. Ways of working that are most likely to lead to insight-driven decisions. And the resources needed to shape enough of the big decisions to shift the dial on the organisation's overall performance. That's all very different from having an order-taking mentality, where new research or analysis is commissioned without reference to a top-down insight plan. So, to sum up, Developing an insight strategy need not be a difficult thing to do, but it does take a disciplined approach, time and focus. And over the next few weeks, I'd like to walk you through the best practice research which the IMA has done on this subject in the past. Look at the stepped process which we recommend that insight teams follow. And examine some of the practical ideas and approaches that have helped the IMA's corporate members to make a difference in this area. In the Transforming Insight book, I said that the 21st secret of successful insight teams is that they lead the development of an insight strategy for their organisation. If your company is a member of the IMA and you have a licence to access our website, you can now explore lots of topics relating to insight strategy in the IMP500 series of guides and the IMV500 series of videos. 
The IMA team can also provide masterclasses and support sessions for individual companies that want to make progress in this area. Here's a reminder of five key points that you might like to take away from this podcast. Number one, taking a progressive approach to insight generation, knowledge development, influence and communication is critical, but it's not enough. Number two, if we want insight to transform our organization's performance, then we need to take a more strategic approach to transforming insight. Number three, in the absence of a strategy, most insight teams have an activity plan, but very often that's driven by what other departments have asked for. Number four, insight leaders need to get upstream to align insight to and be prepared to challenge corporate strategy at the highest level. And number five, developing an insight strategy is not necessarily that difficult, but it does require a disciplined approach, time and focus. So if we're going to write a strategy, what should it include? Well, we'll clearly need a vision of where we would like to get to, the options for how we could get there, and an implementation plan for us to make it happen. But before we can take decisions about any of those things, we're going to need to do something that we should all be really good at, some analysis and reflection. And that's what we'll look at in the next episode of our Transforming Insight podcast. Thank you for listening. Transforming Insight is available on all leading podcast platforms. Subscribe now to get notified when the next episode is released. Check out all the resources in the show notes and sign up to our email list. The Transforming Insight podcast is brought to you by the Insight Management Academy, who reserves the rights to the content. For more information on any of the ideas discussed in the episode, please visit www.insight-management.org.